0: No purchase necessary. Boyd were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Hello, welcome to the Snooker Scene Podcast. I'm Dave Hendon. This is the review of the year. We're looking back on 2017. I was joined by Neil Folds in the mid-session between Neil Robertson and Yu Peng in the recent Scottish Open final. So obviously we don't talk about who won that, but we go through all the other major events of 2017, a memorable year in the world of snooker. I hope you enjoy it, and the podcast will return next year. Right, we're going to start not with the Masters, but uh, on January the second, the uh, seven Hardy snooker players pitched up at the Championship League, and one of them was Ryan Day. Now, barely months is January the second, no one's really practiced, so it showed a great commitment to, to turn up. But Ryan ended up playing in seven of the eight groups of the Championship League. He got to the overall final, lost to John Higgins, and all the match play that he had. Clearly, bore through because he then had a great spell. because eventually he got back in the top sixteen, and didn't have to qualify for Sheffield.
1: I think the Championship League is a bit of a law unto itself, isn't it? It's a strange tournament because there's no spectators. Uh, there was a couple of one that year uh, in the, at the start of the year, wasn't there, for Mark Davis? And all you can hear is his footsteps walking back to his chair. No one clapping because nobody there. So it's a strange old little world. Yeah, and clearly, if you can play in every group, you're getting the best practice there is. You're you're, you're playing match play. If you do lose and you go out, well, it's not the end of the world. I don't think I've seen anyone devastated to losing the Championship League. But when it gets towards the end, you know it's very, very serious. And you know Ryan definitely um, appreciated all the all the practice that got him going. And look, he had a pretty good year, hasn't he? All things
2: considered. Mm. Inter- Championship League is interesting because, because these days, quite rightly, you know, a lot of effort is made at these events to involve the public. You know, social media in particular, and try and sort of bring people in and make them part of it. The Champions League was the op- opposite. You can't go and watch in public. Uh, you're not really welcome because, of course, we don't want people turning up as it's set up for betting and sort of cheating the system with laptops and whatever. So it's a bit of a mysterious world to a lot of people. But as I say, for Ryan Day, it made a big difference. The Masters a little bit more of a, of, a, of a big deal, I guess. First day of the Masters, Leanne Wembo had a black to beat Ronnie O'Sullivan, 6-4. He missed it, and Ronnie won his seventh title a week later.
1: How many times out of 10 would he put it? Probably eight, nine maybe just hit the near jaw and uh, the rest is history and you know Ronnie didn't play all that well in that whole Masters it's a great tournament for him he loves it there doesn't he having won it seven times Um, he played one good part of a match I thought against Marco Fu devastating towards the end of uh, that semi-final and in the final he went behind against Joe Perry but it's a tournament he loves and it seems it's a tournament he can win without even playing anywhere near his best because uh, He gets a great support in London as you'd expect really and uh, I wouldn't back against him winning it again either in 2018 or beyond.
2: Yeah, he seemed he was prepared to dig in. He certainly had to do that in the final against Joe Perry when he was behind early on. But like you say, it kind of suits him. It's the one table, big crowd, big London crowd and uh, yeah, an incredible record of success there. And as you say, probably not done yet with the Masters. But uh, the next tournament, well this is one of the great stories of the year. Anthony Hamilton, of course we'd seen Mark King in Belfast. Last year, win his first ranking title after turning pro nineteen ninety one, and then Anthony Hamilton, who and I guess by this stage him and Ryan Day were sort of had the tag best players never doing a ranking event. He won one the German Masters, and he had his parents there. It was just a great story.
1: It was. He was behind, wasn't he? Um, going into the last session five three. I was actually flying back with Phil Stud um, because I was uh, working on a tournament the next day, so I didn't see the last session. But from five three when we got on the flight when the flight landed he would he'd think he'd gone 7-5 or 8-5 up so he had a great evening session because it looked to me as if he was going to do well to get to the final and it, uh, yet again it would elude him but I guess the good thing about sport is that when you think you know what's going to happen next i.e. Uh, you know, in the case of Hamilton he was going to be a bit of nearly man he, he, he picked up the title and, and all congratulations there, you never see a more popular winner than him having uh, won the
2: German Masters uh, liked by everybody. Yeah, and a very honest player. I mean, I had him on the podcast actually that week in Germany, and he said that you know, been in a couple of finals before, and basically bottled them. And certainly bottled the second one against Mark Williams in, in Shanghai two thousand and two. And at this stage of his career, you know, you don't think you're going to do it. But I guess with so many opportunities now, so many tournaments, just got to have one good week. And it was nice he took his parents there. He said he took them there because he just loved Berlin and couldn't guarantee he'd qualify again. Obviously, didn't expect to be in the final. But like you're absolutely right. You know, everyone was happy for him. They they'd seen his career and been spent time with him and just a nice guy and good to see him coming away with a trophy. Uh, now you were, the tournament you flew to was the World Grand Prix um, in Clandidno and um or was it Preston? No it was yeah, Preston. Yeah they changed didn't they? Anyway the story there Barry Hawkins one of the performances of the season probably in the final five centuries against Ryan Day who, who made it a little bit closer at the end but Barry was playing superbly.
1: Yeah and I still think about the night before when Ryan Beat Marco Fu, one frame he needed four snookers and won it, and I guess that's how he got there. And but in the final, Barry was playing brilliantly. I was working with Stephen Hendry, who was sitting next to me, and he he still cares, you know. He was mm. he didn't really want Barry to knock in any more centuries <laughs> and get near those seven he made mm. against Ken Doherty uh, in that UK final. No, at that time, uh, Barry had a, was playing great snooker, you know, uh, as well as anybody. Um, he's not had the best of um, second half of the season, but you know, at the time you know it was a a well deserved title and uh, again another good guy in the game and you know I I guess all it proves is that there are a lot of good players around who are capable of winning because you know that's the kind of way the whole year went.
2: Yes and titles being shared around I mean again straight from there it was the Welsh Open Uh, an interesting final between Stuart Bingham and Judd Trump. it was quite tactical and it was watched by a great tactician Ray Reardon who of course uh, presented the trophy Uh, I think Judd Trump, you know, he had, a, he had a great season. He was in five finals, but again, just came short to Stuart Bingham.
1: Yeah, that was a really good final. And uh, Stuart, it was Stuart's turn, you know, it, it seemed to be his turn to win. And I thought Judd took it very well in defeat. He played well all the way through. Yes, and, uh, you know, Stuart Bingham, who had uh, gone a, quite a while, hadn't he, between winning the World Championship and winning anything else. And we all said, well, he hasn't won anything since the World Championships. And when he won, in uh, Cardiff that was that uh, sort of little stat ending and uh, you know at the time I'm sure he felt on top of the world, of course he's had a mixed time of things since which I'm sure we'll talk about but he played great snooker that week and I was pleased to see him win.
2: Yeah and it was great to see Ridden. I mean he looked fantastic didn't he?
1: Yeah well of course he does, uh, he's doing very well still and uh, yeah he sat there in the front row uh, next to the guy John Hill from uh, Corals and I think he enjoyed himself you know I'm, I'm sure he did, he, he doesn't get out to much snooker these days but he, look he's a legend isn't he, come up to me and he always calls me Jeff for some reason <laughs> instead of Neil, uh, which I don't mind because that's my dad's name yeah. and then he just remembers a few seconds later hmm. and um, puts his arms around me and Ronnie obviously he knows better. No, great to see Ray and I certainly hope
2: to see him again soon. I've had a little reception before the final and I just watched Ray sort of work in the room and doing putting people at ease with a few little jokes and. You know, proper pro, because of course you had to learn that through his career. He came up when there were basically no torments, you did exhibitions to earn your money and you had to sort of learn that side of it and he just still got it and still a, a massive star in the game. Uh, I'm not sure what he would make of the shootout, I don't think it's kind of a thing that and um, of course the big story there was it wasn't really Anthony McGill winning it and it being a ranking event, although those were, those were big deals, it was that um, Dave Gilbert Shagoo Don match where there was so much noise the ref didn't hear the the, the hooter going off.
1: No, and the marker didn't do anything about it either. It was one of those bad situations. <coughs> yeah, look, I mean, I, I was working on that, and I, I don't really think it, it. I don't really think it should be a ranking event. Although I've got no strong views, what I do think, I did hear one or two players. I won't mention their names, but they said, well, I won't play in this again. And while it's a ranking tournament, I only play it when it's not. So, well, what is that about? How does that work? So. You know, as soon as it's not a ranking tournament, you are in it. What about your actual ranking then? You know, either you don't like the shootout or you do. Mm. If you don't like it, don't play in it, whatever the system. But the boycotting it or doing something, you know, uh, that's against the tournament is not going to work because it's still going to be um, played. And I thought McGill got it dead right. After the final, he said, Are you pleased to win? Uh, 32 grand, 32,000 ranking points. Personally, I don't think it should be a ranking tournament. But he took the pr- pragmatic approach to playing it. And say that, which I thought you know his words meant more than someone who who had sulked. And there were a few, there were one or two people that had, had made that point I'm not playing it because it's a ranking event. Well, all, good luck with your ranking then because it's not going to do any, any good.
2: No, but I, I do feel that there's a general feeling I think the shootout might be reaching the end of its shelf life. You know, the point about novelties is they don't last forever, and there's so much other snooker now, popular snooker, you know, the big crowds and, and great stories that. You know the shootout. is kind of it was brought in as something a little bit different, but I don't know. Is it how long can it continue now?
1: Well, it was brought in by Sky, and, who uh, basically um, I've really enjoyed having worked for Sky. But they've lost patience with snooker and it's bought in as a little novelty event of theirs for a few years. It was up in Blackpool, very good. Taken over by OTV, they like it. All the people behind the scenes like it. The people who work on it love it. Um, you know, 128 players is. Plenty, isn't it? Sixty-four seemed enough. Um, I, I don't think, there's any problem with it. It once a year, uh, and I don't see any problem with it. You know, um, T20 cricket's taken over the world, really. If you like, if you like cricket, which I think is, there's too much of that around. I've got no problem with one tournament a year. Probably shouldn't be a ranking tournament, but I think there's worse things happening than that.
2: Yeah. Uh, anyway, we move on. Uh, Judd Trump won the Players Championship, another ITV event, and he played well. He beat Mark Foo in the final and. As I say, that was his fifth final of the season, second title. It was all pointing to good things ahead at the Crucible, which which kind of didn't quite come. We'll, we'll move on to the World Championship in due course. But at that point, Trump, I guess, was underlining his class, underlining his talent, and importantly for him as a top player, actually winning titles, because that's what it's about at that when you're at that level.
1: Yeah, and that whole series where you've got the uh, World Grand Prix and the Players' Championships, is, of course, the, the, to get into those, you've the one that Barry won, uh, you've got to be in the top 32 in the world on the one year and then if you then find yourself in the top 16 in the world by the time uh, uh, the um, the tournament in Clandidno starts that, that Trump won, then uh, you've got a chance to pull away from anyone below you and you know, I think it's a good addition, it, I mean the race to the World Grand Prix and the Players Championship I think it's very interesting how it works, all the form players are there, Judd Trump's done very well in ITV events so you know, he'd have been delighted to win, and it was good to see him win. I always enjoy watching Judd play, and I'm pleased to see him win. You know He's sort of a product of uh, down there in Bristol. He played as a 12 year old, a brilliant player. Still, he's never won the world title, and, and that will always um, um, dog him until he does. But at the moment, yeah, I, I enjoy watching him play, and it was good to see him win.
2: Yeah, we're talking now sort of March time, so everyone now is looking forward to the world championship. The last event before it was the China Open. Mark Selby won that, and uh, there's this sort of what one are, are the many curses in the game that aren't actually curses is that you know, no one wins the China Open and then wins the world championship of course he went to the Crucible as defending champion and uh, and he won it again and it just seems that that format is made for him he's such a hard match player and he just seems to to revel in the longer matches he's so hard to beat now at the Crucible
1: he did very well to win them both um he, obviously as you say I didn't I thought that he might not win this year you know um i, I must say that it was not because there's the ability is not there. I just thought, well, we've seen the game before. Even Davis, you know, had his lapses when he was a great champion. You know, the year he lost to to Tony Knowles. I know that um, you know he couldn't get over the Crucible curse. when he lost to McGill the year after he won it. But he's won three of the last four, so you got to give him a lot of credit. And yeah, he comes alive at the Crucible. It's just well, someone's got to beat him every year. It's a bit like what we've been saying about Ronnie O'Sullivan in the second half of the season. You know, someone's got to beat him and in the world championships over 19 frames or probably longer because if you get to the first match you know you've got to play very well for a long time uh, to beat selby and um, you know i think that the whole um, the format suits him very well the fact that it is over so many days so many sessions so many frames seems to have endless stamina and, and even more so determination
2: yeah and it seems that you know you can have one bad session there but then he can recover and then he'll have two really good sessions. He played amazingly well against Marco Fu in the quarterfinals, just total clearances flying in, big Blake's flying in. And then of course he plays he plays Ding in the semis. Now Ding's knocked out Ronnie O'Sullivan. That's a massive win for him. Biggest. He said it was the biggest win of his career. So, but he's climbed one mountain, and then he's got another one to climb against Selby over, over four sessions, three days.
1: Yes, that's right. And uh, you know the final, the way it worked out with Higgins. Uh, Quite a long way in front, he thought. Well, he's going to win it again here, but again, it just comes down to the determination of Selby. There were a few crucial shots that went one well, that could have gone a different way, and on the you know on the second day, Mark seemed fresh and John seemed tired, and I, I do slightly, slightly um, don't I don't like the way that the World Championship sometimes ends where it almost his last man standing. I'm not sure if that's the idea, but ultimately, you know, the best man has won this most years and. Through the last four years it's been Selby so it was the rightful result but I don't like the way that players are walking around the table exhausted because it comes down to more than just your snookering ability, it comes down to how much uh, stamina you've got.
2: Yeah, although of course he, there was that sort of controversy or what could have been a controversy when it wasn't clear had he rolled up to the black or not and next round comes out and makes a century which I think just yeah. underlines his ability to just move on from things and just refocus and, and just totally. play, play good match snooker when it really matters. No absolutely, he's a, he's a, he's a worthy champion. There's certain
1: events, you know, he doesn't seem to, uh, well, show up in. I mean, literally, when it comes to some of the home nations, he hasn't played in them all. But other events, like for instance, going back to the tournaments that are on ITV, he's hardly ever done anything in those, and the Eurosport tournaments, home nations, nothing. So um, he's a he's a strange champion. He, you know, he is the best player. He's got to be. He can't win all these world titles and have all these ranking points unless you are. But there are times when he, you know, he, he when he's not at his best, he he struggles to put players away. And I've noticed it certainly in the last few tournaments that you know, he's not necessarily been at his best and everything's a bit of a struggle. So he'll find his game again and when he does of course he'll be back to his brilliant self. Yeah, we'll
2: just go back to Judd Trump, of course he, he lost in the first round. He, he seemed to have sort of shoulder problem but also before the tournament began he was sort of talking himself up in a big way in the, in, in the pre-event press which usually only ever backfires. He lost to Roy McLeod first round which was a massive shock.
1: It was. He was 4-0 up as well. People forget that. That Everyone said, well, Roy's a very difficult opponent. Well, he sure is. He's difficult to get away from, I think, for some of these leading players. You know, he can't shake him off. But Judd led 4-0. And where he lost that match was in the remaining five frames, which he lost them all, uh, rather than the second (coughs) session where the pressure came on. They were taken off at 9-7. And he still had a chance. He managed to win the frame 9-8. They came back late in the evening, didn't they? But um, he played a loose shot and then... You know, Rory did what was uh, required. He's a very good match player, is Rory McLeod. And that's a major disappointment for Judd, but it remains, when it comes to the Crucible, you know, you have to go back to 2011 when he was a surprise this.
2: That's his best chance of winning it so far. Okay, well, that's the end of the season. There was a, a brief uh, layoff, not very long, and then straight back into it, of course, it was Q School. And then the, the Regan Masters' first ranking event of the new season. Ryan Day, I mean, we mentioned Andy Hamilton sort of carrying around this mantle he sort of passed it to Ryan Day best player never to win a ranking event but then he won one and again it was the same thing really You know, everyone's seen that Ryan's been a good foot soldier over the years and nice to see him finally get a trophy
1: Yeah and I think it's got the point now where we've seen so many people win events you know when we saw Anthony and we saw Anthony Hamilton that is and, and um, we saw Mark King win we realised you can't go around thinking that no people are not going to win anything anymore and, and Ryan was sure to win something in the end and he did win in Riga and it was uh, one of these tournaments that you know, in the the British summertime, you know, he can be a bit tucked away. You might not notice it that much, but you know, it got him into the Champion of Champions, and uh, you know, he's right on the brink of sixteen in the world, and you know, he's playing in the Masters because of it. So, you know, he, he's he's a good player, and he totally deserved to win. Nice guy as well. Sometimes a bit too nice, I think.
2: Yeah, well, talking of sort of hidden away, the World Cup uh, was was in the sort of British summer as well. snooker's not really a team game; it never has been, and the World Cup two man teams. Um, it's a rather strange format as well, it's a lot of round robin before you sort of get to the, the thrust of it at the end of it but uh, in the end it was a popular win of course in China for, for Ding and, and Liang Wenbo. Yeah, well, Snooker's not a team game and the World Cup's not a team
1: game, it's just, as you say because it's two players, so that's never been a team has it? it you know, it's just a pairing and uh, you know, you might as well just go back to the Hofmeister doubles <laughs> as we used to call it, the, the event that used to take place in Northampton, the Dern Gate, and just pick any two players, they play a series of, uh, of uh, you know, frames against each other but I think the World Cup has to be teams of three. I don't think China should have two teams in it as well. I don't understand how that's possible, or how that works. Why should they? Nothing against China, of course. You know the the game's thriving over there, but I think it devalues the tournament a bit. You should be teams should be of three, and you know if you've got a slightly weak third player as a few of these snooking countries would have, well, that's just the way it is. It surely, I don't think two players constitute a team.
2: No, it, 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 I think the general feeling there is that you know it's a good thing to have a world cup but the format maybe isn't quite isn't quite right and the world cup though i like the idea but mm. i just think that
1: it's not a fair reflection of any you know, snooker in country um if uh, you just have it as two players it just makes no sense to me i think you should have the third player i know that probably you know suit is an argument it was suit england but i'm not worried about who wins it at all actually i think it's it's good that it was won by china but i don't see why one team should have well, should an A and a B team? I think that's strange, and I think there should be uh, three in a
2: team at least, as it used to be. Yeah. Okay. Well, another tournament that kind of passed under the radar a little bit in the UK certainly was the Hong Kong Masters. It wasn't on British TV, but it looked a great event. We weren't there, but Neil Robertson said his well, he actually said it's his best moment in in the game was win, winning the final against Ronnie O'Sullivan because there was three thousand people in the in the stadium. He's beaten Ronnie in a big final, hundred grand check. Sounded brilliant.
1: Yeah, and uh, that's in the Queen Elizabeth Stadium where I played there. I played in a final there against Jimmy White, which I lost um, way back. Can't remember the year, but really good uh, arena. And Hong Kong has been, you know, deprived of snooker for too many years. You know, they've got Marco Fu, great player, and uh, not enough tournaments. And hopefully there'll be more in that part of the world now. I know that it was a bit of a makeshift event. I think the prize money was brilliant, as you heard, as you said. But um, you know, it's one of these tournaments that just shoved in quite late notice and uh, let's hope that there's more in that part of the world as I say because Hong Kong got great memories of playing snooker over there. We've played there a number of years in invitational events so when Barry was uh, my manager when he was the, the, in charge of matchroom which he silly is silliest, but you know when he was more involved in, in that side of it than he is now.
2: We've had a few new champions in the last year, Mark King, Anthony Hamilton, Ryan Day but none of them are young men. However Luca Brussel is and he broke through winning the China Championship in Guangzhou. One of those players, a bit like Trump a few years ago, very talented youngster, had a few setbacks in qualifying and maybe not coming through as quickly as people were expecting, but finally made it in style.
1: Yeah, great to see Luca winning. I thought really supporting him. I like him. Don't know him very well, um, but I think he brings a lot to the game. Not only because he's a a Belgian player, you know, uh, sort of uh, continental Europe. uh, They really follow the game closely, but they've not had that many good players. He's one of them, he's very good. He's, he's gone off the ball slightly in the last few weeks and I know that he you know, missed one or two tournaments at the end of the season, but uh, well end of the year rather, but great player uh, potentially and uh, I think he adds an awful lot to the game and he's one of these sort of young 20-something players and they, a lot of them have gone missing this year and I know I keep on about it but you know, early 20s, that's the kind of age you want to see people coming through. At the moment we've got a lot of players over 40 still winning.
2: Good to see a player from continental Europe as well, and yeah, he's got something about him, Luca. You know, he, I think he sort of fancies himself as a top player, which is good because sometimes you see a player reach the top 16, and you can see they're not quite sure they deserve to be there. I think he feels he is, uh, he does deserve to be there, and I think we'll see more success uh, from him. And of course, he won all those deciders as well, which which was impressive. You went to the Paul Hunter Classic, Neil. What, what was that like? Yeah, I
1: went over there. I enjoyed it actually. Um, it's a, it's a fairly low key event I think, although well, I th- certainly it, the format is, and the prize money's not huge, but there's a huge following in the game in Firth, and um, well I was there for a couple of reasons, but f- as far as the, the men's event, it was Michael White who won it, beat Sean Murphy in the final, Murphy had turned up there, having because that t- China Championship that Luca won only finished on the Tuesday, it was a strange start and finishing day. And uh, he was there on the Friday, you know, he he traveled all the way uh, from uh, China, uh, Guangzhou, was it, mm. Guangzhou, yeah. Um, uh, he ended up in, in first, I don't know how many trains, uh, uh, trains, planes, automobiles, whatever, <laughs> he'd been in loads of my thing. think, as of days. He played well, lost in his second final in a few days. I don't think too many people lost in two ranking finals in under a week, have they? I think it's almost impossible, but he, did, he managed it. Uh, Michael White won it. And also, I uh, was commentating on the uh the the ladies pool hunter final as well and uh, Rianne evans uh, played uh, on yi in that and Rianne won that and uh, that was quite fun as well so i enjoyed but i enjoyed being over there great event great following not everybody played in it which is a bit of a shame but i understand why it's the it a busy part of the, the, the season it's very hot over there as well it was like it was mm. late summer and um it was a good event good event
2: Okay, and yeah, and at this point, then, the events come thick and fast, and we have John Higgins win, winning the Indian Open, Ding Jumwee, the World Open, Judd Trump, the European Masters. Just players you expect to win titles, I guess, and, and it just shows how, you know, the tournaments are being shared around, but being shared around by big hitters. Yeah, that's right, and of
1: course, um, you know, John Higgins winning in India, that was a big deal, and Ansper Gill was in the final of that again, wasn't he, having won it before? So that was a good one, yeah, for him, and, uh, you know, he, he, like so many of these. Um, Sort of slightly older elder statesman of the game. He's still got everything that it takes. You know, he's still a great player, is John.
2: Yeah, and of course at this stage, Ronnie O'Sullivan had been quiet, hadn't really played very much. But uh, he came back and just started to play unbelievable he'd Been on this this great run. The English Open. I mean, the, the final in particular against Karen Wilson is about as good as you can play, isn't it? That's right. I mean, um, I think we got ourselves in our mind that
1: these home nations events just about anybody could win, and that's not any disrespect to the guys that won last year because. You know the first two winners we had Wembo winning and then we had Mark King winning. He thought, well, this is a bit of a free for all. Ultimately, it was Ronnie O'Sullivan who won it. Uh, got better as the week went on, beat John Higgins along the way, and in the final played well. I don't think you can play any better. I mean, he beat Kyron Wilson 9-2, and he was playing good stuff. And he gave him you know the the most almighty hiding. And in the evening, some of the snooker from 6-2 was just unbelievably good.
2: So he was um, he was just hitting form. Mm. And I think he prepared himself. He decided, okay, I'm going to come back for this section of the season, which is about three months, I'm going to dedicate myself to basically not going to do anything else. He practised hard ahead of it and we saw the the the, the fruits of, of that labour come through. He didn't win the Champion of Champions, he lost to Sean Murphy which was something of a surprise because he got a good record against him but won the Shanghai Masters, then won a record equaling 6th UK Championship and just uh, managing to grind out results. It wasn't all about trying to play the perfect game, it was about just getting the wins.
1: Yeah and that's something that um, you did not thought about him doing before but like everything else, you know, he's getting older, and uh, maybe he's understanding that uh, you can't always play at your best. But when he does play at his best, then he's better than anybody, isn't he? Mm,
2: yeah. In the midst of all that, another, uh, I guess you've got to say, old timer really, Mark Williams uh, winning the Northern Ireland Open. That was an interesting story. I mean, the the, the week was full of shocks. We we had, we got to quarterfinals day, and there were people there who, you know, some even snooker fans wouldn't have picked out of a lineup. But uh, in the end, the final was fascinating. You had Mark Williams looking to win. First ranking title, six and a half years, and Yan Bing Tao going to become the youngest ever winner and a great match as well.
1: Yeah, and a great story, whoever won it. was one of those where you thought, well, you know, Mark winning again would have been nice. His wife, Joanne, had been poorly, and, uh, you know, he was over there, and I'm sure it was a great tonic that he managed to win that uh, tournament and, uh, you know, pick up his 19th ranking event. He must have wondered whether he was ever going to win anything else, but he shouldn't have done because he's, a, he's still a great player. As far as Bing Tao, I mean, I think it would have been quite nice if he'd broken Ronnie O'Sullivan's record as the youngest ever ranking tournament winner. It's for sure, his time will come. But and and, and even in, in matches he's played since, everyone who, who plays him and some of them beat him, like Stephen Maguire knocked him out uh, in uh, in Scotland and uh, in the Scottish. And he said well, he's going to be a great, great player. I don't think Maguire gives away compliments that easy. So I think as long as he keeps doing what he's doing, he's sure to make uh, an impression.
2: Yeah, well we can't say who's won the Scottish Open because we're recording this h- halfway point in the final. Everyone listening in the future will will know already. Uh, but Chao Yipeng's in the final and it's, he's another example of the way Chinese players, we mentioned Yan Tao as well, have started to come to the fore more. It's not just about Ding now, you know Ding's won a title this season but at other times he's bowed out early or at some times pulled out of tournaments but there's, there's strength in depth now in China.
1: There's a lot of Chinese players on the tour <coughs> now and uh, it's almost a numbers game in that there's so many of them that you know, and they're all good and they're all hungry for success. That so, you know, players like uh, Cha Yupeng are coming through. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I when he disappeared off the tour a couple of years ago, I was up in um, at Sheffield at the, um, the qualifiers doing the Judgment Day, and he'd been knocked off the tour the night before. He was sitting in the hotel just looking on his phone. He must have looked really fed up. And he came back and got back on through Q School, did nothing last season. But you know, he's one of many that clearly capable of winning and um you know I've been surprised by how well he's played in this tournament but uh, there's just too many Chinese players now without some of them coming through you know you've got your your Xiao Dong who's clearly a, a top player he could win something but plenty of others not only youngsters guys that are in their 20s that uh, are so just just peaking I think
2: yeah and they they're very dedicated there's two academies in Sheffield there's the Victoria Academy, which is right opposite the Crucible. There's the Star Academy, and the, the, most of them are based in one or the other. They kind of live together, they travel together. So there's camaraderie there, which Ding didn't have when he came over. You know, he, he sort of was homesick. Yes. He was on his own. It makes a difference where you've got friends and you've got, I guess, also you know they're sort of spurring each other on. Be interesting to see how that that dy- dyna- dynamic develops in the, in the coming years. So. If we're thinking of a player of the year, a player of 2017, I mean, it comes down to two candidates, doesn't it? It comes down to Mark Selby, who's been world number one the whole year, he's been world champion, he's won a couple of other ranking titles as well, the International Championship, which we didn't mention, also the China Open. And Ronnie O'Sullivan, who's had this late spurt, uh, started winning the Masters, and then this late spurt, won the UK Championship, and uh, a couple of other tournaments as well. Um, if you had to choose <laughs> between the two of them, who who would be player of the year? Because the World Championship obviously doesn't count for a hell of a lot.
1: It does. I don't. You know, it's really difficult that because, as you say, uh, if if you'd have told me after the World Championships that you're going to be thinking about Ronnie as being Player of the Year, you would thought, well, that's just something about the fact that he's got all this charisma. But he's been winning. He's been winning a lot. You know, he was a, a very just a couple of shots away from going nine all in the Champion of Champions. And in the meantime, you know, he's won the UK. He's won the English, and he's he's also won in Shanghai. So, uh, at the moment, I'm favouring Ronnie as the, as the Player of the Year, but. Uh, m- only because Mark's form seems to have turned off a little bit. But look, it's very difficult one. That I don't want to upset either player because I think they're both very good in their own ways. But I just, I've just i got a lot of admiration for the way that Ronnie's come back winning. And um, he always does it in such great style. So I'm going to go with Ronnie. Um, just.
2: Yeah, I think that's probably just about right. Although I'm sure the Mark Selby fans would disagree. Well, as we head into the new year... I guess it's going to be more of the same, isn't it? We're going to expect the titles to be shared around. The real interest, though, comes in the big events, you know, the real showpiece occasions, the Masters, the World Championship are coming up in the new year. Um, it's hard to sort of predict who's going to win at the Crucible right now, but again, you know, Selby and O'Sullivan, they're probably going to be in different halves of the draw. They're one and two at the moment. That would be great if they met in another final. Well, that would be the
1: final right now that you'd love to see. Great contrast. There's plenty of other players that could do well. I mean, Ding's. <coughs> Been doing a lot better in the world championships the last two or three years, so he would hopefully be playing well enough by then to uh, figure because he had a bit of an up and down season, has not he? He's, you know, um, certainly his form's been a bit in and out, but um, yeah, he he would have a chance. Obviously, Judd, people would be talking up Judd Trump, but um, you know, I'd love to see him win it, I would love to see Judd Trump become world champion, but I was disappointed with him last year at the Crucible, and um, well, we'll have to wait and see on that one, but right now, Selby. Clearly, he's the man to beat. And um, but if he can win it four times in the last five years, then you're talking. You you're going up. You know, you talk about the domination of the almost of the Hendrys and the and the Davises, aren't you? That that would be another big step for him.
2: Absolutely. Well, it's going to be a v- another very busy year, uh, two thousand and eighteen. More torments and plenty more drama. More podcasts as well. More importantly, uh, Neil. Merry Christmas to you. And to you. And uh, Merry Christmas to everyone listening. And we will return in twenty eighteen.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network.